Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza, and I'm really excited to speak with our guest today because 2020, for those that have been listening to the podcast, know that it is a mirror year, and it is a lot that is coming to the surface that was hidden. And for some people, it's been the gamut of of upheaval, and it's been a gamut of growth. And for some people, when that happens, depending on what side you're on, they may say, God, please help me find a job, if you found a job, right, or if you lost your job. And did you know that there's an author that also came out with a book called, God, please help me find a job? And not only is that the title, not kidding, she also has 21 prayers for the job seeker, we're going to find out more about this guest. Her, she goes by the name of Sonia Cameron. And just a little bit about her, she's been in the field of working with customers in career success. And she's a successful career coach. She helps people with career transitions, <coughs> a lot of people in 2020. And she also works with people who are not doing what they love full time and getting paid for it. So that can include the unemployed the underemployed, those who fear they may lose your jo- their job, those working on a plan B and C, and those wanting to work for themselves instead of an employer. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Sonia Cameron to the podcast. Welcome, Sonia. Hi, Hamza. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. But of course, uh, and some people may say, how come I didn't have this guest on earlier? Back in March when I lost my job. I mean, it's a lot of people. And the the the, the stats that I've seen just yesterday, uh, this is an election year, and they say the unemployment is the highest it's been since they recorded unemployment back in 1948 during a presidential election. So there are a lot of people going through these transitions, and I think a person with your expertise would be great to share your insight. Yes, it's it's definitely something that has been caused by the pandemic. A lot of industries have gone away, actually, and and there are a lot of people who have been furloughed or find themselves unemployed or, you know, just in a transition state. And so that's why I wrote the book is I I had a heart for those people. Um, I actually wrote the book during the pandemic in the beginning in April. And um, because when I heard 17 million people file for unemployment, my heart was just broken. And I was like, what can I do to help these people? And since I had experience writing prayers for my blog, uh, blessthework.com, I decided that I would write a book of prayers for those who find themselves in career transition during this COVID-19 season. And um, it just it just flowed out of me. I mean, it, you know, it, it was just easy to write. Um, it took me about three weeks to write it, and um, then I just uh, sent it out and had people review it and took their comments, and now we have the finished product. Very nice, very nice. And it sounds like 
you, uh, I'm a big surfer. I love to surf and it's always great to surf when you have a wave and when the wave is really good, you get a good ride out of that. And it sounds like a partnership, if you will, I'm sure we're going to get into that further into the podcast, but when you are in line with the universe, it seems like you can do no wrong. Like you are in a flow state and it sounds like something that you went through when you made, you put pen to paper to write this book. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was just, you know, amazing thing. It took me back to when, you know, some situations that I found myself in, uh, when I was looking for a job, you know, I work in corporate America as well. So, you know, writing this book is kind of like my plan B. <laughs> so I have a, a full-time job with a firm in Research Triangle Park, and I um, have been there and done that. I've been laid off. I've been fired. You know, I've been all of those things. So, it, you know, I just went back to those seasons where where I was looking for a job and just rem- reminded myself of the emotions that I went through and the process that I went through, you know, in that job search. And, um, and it was easy. It made it easy just to, you know, empathize with my fellow Americans that are out there that are, you know, in career transition. Sure. So, but I have a lot of questions for that. But the first one I want to ask you, you did say RTP, and RTP is near and dear to my heart personally here in Atlanta because I spent a lot of time at Duke and UNC and uh, Research Triangle Park for research labs. And so there's really? a huge, uh, small world, very small world. And wow. I know that it's a, 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 a hub there, and what's really rough here in Georgia is I was also a part of recruiting companies to come to Atlanta, and when we would lose in the debrief, we would either lose them to uh, Florida or we would lose them to RTP, and this is in the bio, biology space, bio, biological sciences and, or genomics, and at the time they were doing research uh, research labs, research buildings, uh, research parks. And in RTP, there's a cluster with all the universities, and they had the new ones in Miami and West Palm Beach, but Georgia didn't have it. And so I know that RTP has a strong technology base. And so with that, I wanted to ask you, uh, because with, with COVID, it's really interesting because we speak with people, and, and I hear from people globally, and so mm-hmm. initially you would think, oh, what is it like in Madagascar or, or these far off places? But fortunately or unfortunately, in the, in the United States, every state seems to be responding differently to COVID. So my first question is, what is the environment like in RTP? And then the second part would be, do you, no, I'll let you answer, answer the first question first. Um, right now, the environment in RTP is uh, similar to probably the rest of the United States. I mean, a lot of people are working from home, so a lot of the, you know, corporate buildings and stuff are empty or, you know, staffed with a skeleton staff. Um, 
you know, my my personal experience, that's what I do. I work from home on a full-time basis. And, you know, according to my organization, it's an indefinite thing that we'll be working from home indefinitely. And uh, I, I don't have a lot of experience with everybody that's in the park, but that's been the experience that I've, you know, talked to some of my colleagues and even my colleagues outside of the institution where I work. And, you know, just about everybody is working from home. So there's, like- there's not the same hustle and bustle in the park as it, as it used to be. Um, sure. And one thing that, that I take away from what you just said was the what you've heard from colleagues outside of the park. And unfortunately for, I can say, for the last 20 years, I can say that industries have been either leaving the states to go overseas or they've been replaced either through artificial intelligence or manufacturing and what have you. And the fact that you are speaking with colleagues outside of your immediate environment, uh, I'd like for you to talk about that because I know people, if if I'm an accountant, I only talk to accountants, and my network may not be as strong when we have to go through a transition like we're going through now. Yeah, one of the things that that I've been trying to do, and it's it's difficult when, you know, when everybody is quarantining and uh, being socially distant, is to continue my network. I just recently joined um, an online a portal called Lunch Club, and that way you get to have a virtual lunch with other people. Um, and, um, and and so I started having virtual lunches, and that that has helped me to expand my network and um, meet new people, meet people working in different technologies. The last lunch I had, um, I talked to a gentleman named Mark, and he works in machine learning and artificial intelligence. So, you know, that's, you know, I mean, that's I work in technology too, but that's like much far advanced than what I do on a daily basis. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so just about everybody that I've talked to, accountants and um, business people are, are, you know, working remotely. Now, the other thing you mentioned is that in your office, you guys used to go there at 9 to 5 or what have you, and now it's mm-hmm. indefinite. And so does that – what does that mean? And the reason why I'm asking it that way is because today is October 7th, and in – I want to say it was April or May – there were the airlines and they were asking their employees to take early on retirement and there was some furlough talk and then last month there were a lot of layoffs and then just this month we've had uh what is it wells fargo and some of the other banks that are going through the same thing like uh, furloughs or just straight layoffs so is that is that a sign that this is what's to come when when someone says that we're going to have this indefinite working relationship where you're not into the office? Is that something we should be aware of? 
Um, I I think it's based on the firm itself. Um, you know, the firm that I work for is a technology firm, and so the transitions the transition from being in the office to working from home was very smooth because. You know, before COVID, I was working from home occasionally, maybe one or two days a week. So to do it on a semi-permanent basis was was an easy transition. Um, I think it it just depends on the industry itself. You know, of course, an airline is gonna have layoffs because there's nobody flying anymore. Um, well, very few people flying. Um, you know, hotels, there are very few people traveling. So, of course, they're going to have layoffs as well. But I think it's, you know, based on the industry itself, um, what the future holds. And, you know, we can only hope that things will improve on an uh, economic basis so that people can return to work. Um, I've been telling a lot of people uh, that have come to me recently that even though they may find themselves furloughed, um, they can create their own work by going to websites like Upwork and Fiverr and, you know, hiring the, out their skills because, you know, most people nowadays have specific skill sets that are marketable and mm-hmm. they don't have to be completely unemployed, they can hire themselves out to do certain things and actually sometimes be very profitable doing that as well. Yeah, you you really bring up a really good point when you talk about the gig economy. And the other thing you mentioned was it was a smooth transition where uh, you didn't necessarily work from home pre-COVID all the time, but you found that it was a smooth transition. And a lot of companies are finding that they're saving a lot of money by, you know, not having you call in late because you're stuck in traffic or you got to drop the kids off and what have you. The, uh, the reports, what, we're seven months in now, that's showing that companies are, that are open, at least, are performing really well because everyone's at home. So what's your – do you – within indefinite, that's what I'm kind of just sticking with, um, do you think this is the new normal and that there will be a part of we'll, – we'll get into getting a job, but uh, I'm getting the sneaky sus, uh, suspicion that you will say that even if you get a job, you may not be there for 25, 30 years and retire and get the gold watch, or does that still exist? No, that's an antiquated thought. <laughs> that doesn't happen that often um, unless you have – some some government job somewhere. Um, usually in regular corporate America, you know the the span is you know three to five years. Is that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's 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 a rare thing to see someone at a company for twenty five thirty years anymore. It happens. Don't get me wrong. It does happen, but it's it's a rarity. And the other side of that, uh, I'm thinking about the, all of the teachers that didn't go back when school started uh, last month, and it was they had the job, but the risk associated with being around all those children, and you know, 
the other, just the work environment as a whole just seemed contrary to staying healthy. And so when you have these work at home, is that the ideal situation that you're telling folks now? Or do you see that? I I know we all want some sense of normalcy, and there's always a talk when we things get back to normal. But is that even realistic? Or is that something that we would, like you said, could be a potential three to five year plan? Well, I mean, I think working from home is definitely a preference. Like, there are some people who prefer to be on site. So um, I think, you know, the choice to work from home is an individual choice. Um, And, you know, so if, if that's what you like to do, then, you know, you would definitely look for those remote roles. But, um I think there there all all um always room for people who want to be out you know in in the public as some people would say um and and not at home but actually be on site um there is still a need for a lot of people to be on site um and you know their need for essential workers all over the place. So, you know, I think it's just a personal preference whether a person works from home or not. Um, I think it may be um, sometimes it depends on the industry that you're in. Um, It may be easier to find a remote uh, work role um, during this COVID season because there are a lot of uh, corporations that are hiring for remote workers. Um, But I think I really do think that's a personal preference. Sure. Uh, I'm thinking that there's pros and cons in everything. And some of the pros were my gasoline bill went way down and my dry cleaning bill went way down. Uh, But have you seen uh, some benefits from working at home uh, just from speaking with some of your clients or people that are, are potentially looking for jobs? And have you seen any cons of that? I mean, this is, from a, a national standpoint, it's new territory where initially it was novel and not the coronavirus, but it was a novel idea of working from home. And yeah, I get to you know work in my pajamas or what have you, but we're seven months in and now the, the new car smell is worn off a little bit. Right, right. Um, there, there are some you know, of course, there are perks from working from home, but there are some challenges for parents. A lot of parents are, you know, finding challenges because they have children, school-aged children that are at home. And so just juggling that work role and parent role and teacher role um, all in one has been a challenge. And there's been some statistics that a lot of uh, women who have children have had to, you know, leave their jobs in order to support their children at home, you know, during the COVID season. So there there are some hiccups when it comes to working from home. It's not all, you know, peaches and cream. But, um, of course, you know, like you said, there are perks too. So um, there are pros and cons in every situation. Mm-hmm. What a, there's some chatter online about 
women and um, how everyone's responding to COVID. And so in some of these, there, there was a study in July and they said that the the there uh, during World War II there was the baby boom because the war was over and you know we're looking at uh, American excellence and everything that went with that but at the time we had the nuclear family and today there's been some conversation of um, for women and men or like you said if they had kids at home where they're reevaluating hey I've been juggling uh, my from a woman's standpoint juggling their job full time and juggling children. Is it worth it, or should I take a, a, a different role where I we were actually saving the money from daycare and and just chasing them around and let the husband be the breadwinner? Are you seeing any changes in the family dynamic? That's an excellent question. Um, I personally have not experienced a whole lot of changes. Um, in in family dynamic, but I know that um, I have friends who are, like I said, do, juggling it all, doing it all, mother, teacher, wife, homemaker, like they're doing it all, and my hat comes off to them. You know, it's, and they make it look easy. You know, um, a lot of times people don't understand um, you know, what what planning and what preparation goes into being a mom, especially if you're, you know, have children that are school age and at home and managing all of that, you know, not even given the fact that you may have more than one child. So you have several different age groups at home. You know, that that's a challenge in and of itself. So my kudos is off to those moms that are, you know, educating their kids at home and as well as, you know, having a career as well. That is a feat that a lot of men can't even handle, you know. Um, so the the family dynamic is, you know, definitely one that is that has been changed out over the last, 10, 20 years, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, you know, both parents working and, you know, sharing responsibility of home life as well. So um, I don't I don't think it would be any different uh, during the COVID season, but of course, there's definitely more put on the female uh, part of the equation than on the male part. That's my perspective. Sure. There's uh, good and bad in every situation, like we were talking about pros and cons. And what we're seeing some industries thrive in this environment, uh, for one, is technology, right? Like the big <laughs> six tech firms are the ones that are predominantly, you know, keeping the stock market afloat. And other industries that I'm seeing is um, family law attorneys. And what I guess what we're talking about when you're talking about the planning and preparation, it, this is the first time that couples have to face, you know, this dynamic where they're both in each other's face for 20 hours, 24 hours a day, 
and how do they respond to that and with the kids and all. So, you know, some just throwing in the towel and just saying get a divorce and others are trying to fight through it. And so it, it just seems like we're in a state of flux. And my, my question to that is what, it, oh, the other industry that will be in demand for the next couple of years will be psychologists and psychiatrists. So my, cool. my question with that is, yes, parents are going to have somewhere or they're going to need a way to vent of what they're going through. But what about the children? Is this a good opportunity to teach the children uh, resilience when you're talking about the gig economy where, you know, it doesn't take 24 hours of your day, but you can still sell your services in addition to your full-time job? Yeah, I... I always believe in having a plan B or a plan C. Um, it's definitely important. I mean, if not, if COVID didn't teach us anything else, is that you need multiple streams of income. Um, as far as the children, you know, children, you know, see and they do what they see. Um, so I think it's imperative that we teach our children yes, you know, you can be good at more than one thing and, you know, multitask. Um, and and it's always good to have a profitable hobby, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, I really believe that, you know, this COVID has definitely caused a lot of people to rethink you know, their work situation and also think, okay, let me do something entrepreneurial. Let let me see what I can do to, you know, whether it's participating in the gig economy or not. Like, let me see what else can I do in order to have multiple streams of income. Sure. And it's really interesting even having this conversation because we didn't, I don't think anyone knew COVID was coming, but in the business environment here in Atlanta, everyone always had two cards in their suit jacket, right? It was like your day job corporate card and then your side hustle card. And so it's just really interesting of of preparation or just looking to see what other opportunities are out there. And uh, the other part that I think about is in 2008 when we were going through this again, and because of that, the outcome was like places like Airbnb that didn't exist. Do you, from a technology standpoint, are you seeing, or is it too early to identify new industries that are emerging in the in response to COVID? That's an excellent question. Um, but um, I, I would have to say that I, I don't know of any new industries that have come about because of COVID, um, but I, I do know that there are a lot of people who are, you know, looking at that plan B or plan C or trying to gain new skills, um, that, that new marketable skills that, they can use to generate income. I know for a fact that not only myself uh, wrote a book, but there are a lot of new authors that are out there. A lot of Mm -hmm. people took the opportunity 
of being quarantined and actually finished a book or wrote a new book um, and just decided to use their, their creativity to, you know, produce something that that didn't exist before. So, and I think there are a lot of creatives out there that are using this opportunity to reinvent themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, indeed. In my email today, I got, I received from the Financial Times and they were taught the title of, uh, of the article was Coronavirus Sparks Surge of Women Entrepreneurs. And so, you know, it sounds like women are used to wearing several hats. And is, uh, with that being said, is this your first book? And I know that it was smooth in writing it out, but was there planning or preparation as far as how the book should be crafted or was it just a stream of consciousness? Um, basically, uh, it started out just a stream of consciousness. Like I just wanted to write these prayers. I did a mind map starting out and, you know, did it by subject and, um, you know, the job search process, the emotions of a job seeker, the desires of a job seeker. So I, I kind of had groups of prayers. And then um, basically what I did was, um, you know, organize those prayers based on that mind map and did an outline based on that mind map. So, yeah, for me, it was definitely a, a time to, you know, just write things out. And this was not my my first book, actually. This is just my first book that was published. Um, I have a manuscript that I started on several years ago, and I just could never get it together, so to say. <laughs> and But this book, it was a, actually a passion project of mine. I just felt like I needed to get it out, and it was urgent that I got this book out to help people during the COVID-19 pandemic. Sure. Now, I, what I'm hearing, my takeaway, or a couple of things that you were saying uh, one was the mind map and creating a mind map. And it, it sounds, I know in the business world we use it a lot, but for those not in the business world, it sounds a lot like a, a vision board, if you will. And if you're writing your goals or how you plan for this project to be completed, if you can have a visual representation of it, it's easier to create or bring to fruition. And the second part, it sounds like uh, I want to talk about your your communication strategies that, that you've implemented in just with yourself and then Supernatural because that that is a silver lining of 2020 where you, it sounds like you were a perfect example of what many of us were going through pre-COVID and that, oh, yeah, I have a book. I have a book in me. Yeah, it's going to get published sometime, right? There's no end goal. Mm-hmm. There's no mind map. There's none of that. And then 2020 was like, well, you don't have any time to do anything else. Right, right, right. So how yeah, how did I mean, you determine? How did you determine that? Because there's some person right now, hopefully, if you're listening to this, and you have that book inside you, and you haven't start, started writing yet, or had that stream of consciousness. What? How are you? How are you able to pick up and know that it was time to write this book at this present moment? 
Well, of course, I felt like there was a need, and I had a sense of urgency about it. So, and I felt like if if I didn't write it, that somebody out there would, you know, would be missing something. That I felt like it would definitely bless a lot of people, um, and and cause a lot of people to become closer to God and. That's the purpose that I felt it would serve. Um, yeah, and and just the the mind map was a concept that I was not familiar with until I started talking to an editor that happened to meet at a party, and you know she told me you know I was telling her you know I I really want to write a book but I can't seem to get my thoughts together, and she was like you should do a mind map and um. Yeah, and so I I just Google my maps and started with the poster board and a felt marker and just started writing things out. And, you know, it came together. It really helped me pull my thoughts together. Do you think that um, you'll take this mind map and use it for every <laughs> every portion version of your life now? <laughs> I don't know for every portion of my life, but it it definitely helps you organize your thoughts, and it mm-hmm. and it helps you um, be more strategic um, in, in uh, crafting paragraphs and uh, crafting stories. Um, it 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 makes you do things on purpose and not just you know just because you need to fill the paper. Like if there's a a method to the madness. No, I, I think that's so huge, and and thanks for giving a clearer clarification, because that that could be the argument. And then if we're pointing fingers, like some people, you, I used to be like that. So I'll use myself as an example. If I didn't use a mind map, I may think, oh, I'm procrastinating, or I just don't want to get it done, or maybe it's not meant to be. And then when I put it in a, in a visual format, then it was able, like you said, it gives you that roadmap to organize your thoughts. And so would you work with people to develop mind maps, their own? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, to me, a mind map is just, you know, brainstorming and putting it on paper, just, you know, making circles and, you know, just, just putting things, putting the thoughts out there in the atmosphere um, and then organizing them. Uh, you know, you don't know what you can do. Like everything starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought. Even your podcast started with a thought. And, you know, and from that thought, you put that on a mind map and then, you know, you just, Think about things that are related to that, and you know you can go from there. And it's it's infinite and limitless what can come from that single thought. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mind maps can be really personal. And then my question is: Is there would that open up opportunities to create maybe a group map? And if not a group map, maybe a one-on-one with one other person, and then that way you can keep each other accountable 
as far as looking for another job or uh, establishing a plan B? Is that something that could that you could work with? I guess I mean that's a new concept. I never really thought about it as a as a tool to as a collaboration tool. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I would be open to do, doing something like that. Um, yeah, I've, I've never. That's a new concept for me using my mind map as a colla- collaboration tool. Like you know, the, the tool that I use it for was basically to organize my thoughts in my own writing. But mm-hmm. um, I, I guess it would be definitely useful as a collaboration tool as well. Well, I'm thinking this, one of the downfalls of this working from home. And I can't call it a phenomenon because it's been, you know, the argument's been about <laughs> the past 20 years. But for this year, you just have an overwhelming number of people that are home. And so one thing that we're finding is that we're human and we need that human interaction, you know, hence the, you know, signing up with the lunch club for virtual lunches and just having that interaction outside of your four walls as an individual. Sometimes it's great to be in the four walls, but then there's others to really reach your potential when you have that collaboration and if you you've gone you've been there done that right like you've had a job not had a job looking for a job all these all the the whole processes and it may be i guess we're (laughs) are we having a visioning session instead of a podcast of (laughs) what the next level (laughs) that Tony is going into My next level. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for playing with me and humoring me with this. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. Because I I, um, go ahead. No, you you go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was just think that was where I wanted to put a pin as to the first part because it was very physical, third dimension, these are things you do, develop a mind map. But um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the whole other side of co-creating. And so I know that you have uh, some steps that you can work towards of acing a job search journey or winning at work or winning at finding out your next profitable hobby. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about uh, what kind of steps can you take to stay motivated. And I, I do want to spend some time with uh, the co-creating and communicating with um, energies inside you or outside you. Right. Um, so what, one of the things that, that I can say is, uh, one of the tips that I can say is, the first one is to rehearse your wins. And, you know, a lot of times uh, people, downplay their success and they they won't record or you know think significant of things that they've done to help their employer out um, processes that they have improved ways they've saved the company money um, you know how they wild the customer um, they they don't make a record of that and that's something that's very important when you're trying to take take your next step in your career or when you're 
even trying to negotiate your salary. I mean, you need to know know when you've had wins in your career, and you have, need to have a narrative around that win, you know, uh, stating something specific that you have accomplished. So um, that that's one of the first strategies um, that I would state. Um, I want to stay there for a second because when you talk about downplaying your your success, I know, and this is a conversation more so for social media, right? So there's some that, you know, if I'm a success, I don't need to broadcast it. But then there's the other of if I'm broadcasting it too much, then you invite the gremlins, you know, who does this person think they are? And then the third part would be the survivor, survivor's guilt, right? It could be, wow, everybody's going through such a hard time, but I'm not. <laughs> So you don't want to post that either. So how, how do you how do you get around those three in the realm of 2020 when everyone's spending so much time on social media? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the best way to do it is tread lightly and state the facts. I mean, it's not bragging if it's factual, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and a good place to state those facts is you know, when it comes to business is the um, website LinkedIn. Like if you want to toot your horn, that's the place to do it because it's not only seen by your colleagues, but it's seen by people in your industry as well as future employers. So if you're going to, you know, toot your own horn, state the facts and put it somewhere where where it will make a difference. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a really good point when you said uh, for your industry and, peop- and companies looking to hire, because uh, there is a, a massive migration across the country from California or New York where they're realizing, like you said, the, in RTP, the buildings are empty and, you know, we're finding we're looking for places, uh, a better cost of living. And as I mentioned earlier, we've lost business. The state of Georgia has lost business to RTP. So, by them not downplaying their success, it would actually, uh, if they're on LinkedIn and, and making a robust profile, then larger companies could be looking at their resume and, they, and before they even move here. So you have no idea who's even looking at if, if you have the free version. If you have the paid version, you can see who's looking at your profile. But nonetheless, right, right, yeah, you got to pay to see who's going, what's going on. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Sure. And so that was just one. Uh, so what are some other tips that we can do to ace the job journey and just winning at work and overall life? Um, well, one of the things, and, and this, is, this is very helpful to people who procrastinate and think it might be overwhelming to actually search for a new role or think it might be, you know, overwhelming to do anything to advance their career, is to take a baby step every day towards your career goal or towards that, you know, plan B. Just do something every day, even if it's just something small, um, to advance towards that goal. And, you know, in James it says, faith without works is dead. So you have to put the work in in order to, you know, move forward. 
And um, one of the things, uh, there's a tool on my website, blessthework.com. It's called 21 Days of Preparation for Your uh, Next Career Role. And um, in that, it gives baby steps that you can take on a daily basis um, that will allow allow you to take that giant leap towards your next career. Things like, you know, doing keyword searches for your next role, um, you know, updating your skill set, taking training. And there's a lot of training on LinkedIn as well. I should get them to, like, sponsor me because I'm <laughs> thinking a lot about LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could ultimately. They could ultimately, if you're doing these group mind maps, right? Word's going to get out, and right, <laughs> and, and it could be a global thing. <laughs> so, hey, who knows? Who knows? I mean, 2020 is, is is full of surprises, and you know, there's no accident. So, yeah, don't sell yourself. Don't downplay your success. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. I, I do so, want to ask so, you yeah. this part. I want to ask you uh, the the biggest part, and you left it for last. I, I think it's the biggest because, in it, I really believe in 2020. Initially, right after the shock kind of wore off, we're trying to fill the time with with weapons of mass distraction. So that's you know social, uh, the YouTubes and Netflix and all that. And then I've seen everything that I can possibly see. And now I'm in this quiet. And so that, I want to, I want you to talk a little bit about step six, because I think it's probably the most important out of everything that we've talked about thus far. Right. And, and that, that is definitely spending time with God. Um, I think for me, and I can I can only speak to my experience, is, you know, if I find myself out of balance, if I find myself in a state of fear, afraid, and anxiety, the best place for me to go is to get along with God and pray and let, let him talk to me, like listen to that still small voice. Um, you know, and read scriptures. And inevitably, there is always an answer. There's always an answer. And it may not come to you right away, but eventually you'll you'll find the answer. And I really do believe that's God leading you. Um, and it's imperative. That's one of the reasons why I wrote the book is to give people something to say until they find their own voice. And um, and I think it's the secret to a very successful job search. Um, and I, I think it's a key for a lot of job seekers is communication with God, letting him download instructions to you on what to do next. Because every career is unique as your DNA. Like my skills and talents and experience is totally different from yours. But God knows what those skills and talents and abilities are, and he He knows where they'll be used the best, and he's the one 
that can open the doors for you. So how are you determining or filtering whether it's God talking to you or it's your ego that's talking? <laughs> um, I tell you personally for me, it's how I know it's God or my ego is when it's God, I have a peace about it. I have peace. When, when it's, when it's me, uh, I'm anxious about it and I'm not sure about it and, you know, I, it's, it, it just doesn't click. But when it's God, I definitely have a peace, a peace and a confidence, you know, with that decision that I'm making. Now, let me ask you about the different times of day. So for me, my mind's always racing. And for my communication or my relationship uh, with with the creator is usually in the middle of the night, so three, four, five o'clock in the morning, or when I first wake up. And the way I interpreted it was because my <laughs> my ego won't it's shut down. It's you know it's no filter, and so like you said, that peace kind of comes in for me at those times. Or are you able to discern? Uh, different times of day where you have a, a greater communication where you're getting that sense of peace? Yeah, I'm, I'm the total opposite. I think for me, it's like in the quiet of the night, like in the in the late night. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's when I'm the most creative and, um, you know, and I have a peaceful moment then. Sometimes it comes in the morning. I mean, for me, I'm all over the place. It's not a consistent time. I mean, unless I make it, like sometimes I make time to say, okay, this is just going to be me and God. And what I'll do is I'll take a walk and just, you know, just get in tune with nature and just walk around and just, pray while I walk. I call it the walk and pray. And um but everybody has their own unique way of communicating um with God. Um and I, I just feel like it it's it's not how you do it or when you do it, it's that you do it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mhm. Absolutely. Uh, that was one thing of at the beginning of COVID was, you know, get outside and get some sun. Not only are you getting that fresh air, uh, you just reminded me of, of some of the, the Buddhist areas that we have here in Atlanta, and, and they do the walking prayer. And so you you have a, a combination of prayer and meditation. And as I learned it, it was prayer is when you're talking to God, and meditation is when you're listening. And so thanks for reminding me of that, for that walking prayer and just getting out and uh, if you are in the house all day, you're not getting that fresh air that you're getting when, when you used to have to go to work and work out and just, it's just really interesting. So I, I just want to thank you for that walking prayer. Um, but as a guy being competitive, and I always want to be number one or no number one, in your book, there's 21 prayers for the job seeker. I want to know what's your number one prayer? What's your favorite prayer? I'll put it first. I put it first because I wanted everybody to to have access to that prayer. Um, 
And it wasn't even in the book until the end. And when I wrote it, I was like, this has to be number one. This has to be first. So you can read it free on Amazon where the book is. You can listen to it free on Amazon because it's also an audio book. Um, but not the whole book, but just this first prayer. Um, mm-hmm. You can listen to it free. And it's uh, a, a prayer about fear because Fear of people and fear of the unknown and fear of, you know, fear of failure, that's what grips a lot of people when it comes to the career transition. And I wanted to put that on the table and resolve that issue first Mm -hmm. before approaching anything else in the book. So that's my favorite one. That's awesome. It, it makes me think of Neville Goddard. Are you familiar with Neville? No, I'm not. So Neville was in the 1920s, and he became more popularized by Wayne Dyer. Uh, Wayne used a lot of his teachings, and he always talked about uh, ego and spelling it out. E-G-O was edging God out. And I think it ties mm-hmm. in to what you were saying about that whole fear if you if you're in that fear and anxiety what have you that's your ego not being in that calm to get that peace of mind uh, for that communication you're actually edging god out mhm mhm yeah wow so that, yeah so i appreciate you for not even i mean just if you didn't do the whole book the the audio uh, version is cuz i'm i'm a total audio file now and go through a lot of books that way so I do, too. Um, that's, that's why I decided to uh, – I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that's great. I mean, I, if more people did that, I mean, just the consumption of the books would be even higher if more people had the audio version of their books. Yeah, yeah. The uh, The audio version is only 30 minutes, and I think it's like three ninety five. It's It's not hard on the pocketbook at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, yeah, but I because I consume, like, 95% of my books via audio, I was mm-hmm. like, I can't write a book and not have an audio version of it. And Absolutely. the young lady that, the narrator that did it, she is mm-hmm. an amazing narrator. She, it won't put you to sleep at all. She, she has, it's action-packed. I'll put it like that. <laughs> she sure. did, everybody was like, why didn't you read your own book? I was like, because I'm not as talented as this narrator. Mm. Well, she, I'm sure your narrator is probably going to ask you my next question. And when is the next book coming out? <laughs> well, um, I do have a companion manual that's coming out. Um, I'm trying to get it published before Christmas. It's going to um, allow people to journal their own prayers about their career, and it also has a job search organizer that allows people to keep a record of their job search and mm-hmm. the contacts and times and places of interviews and all of the details, you know, that you have to keep track of in a job search. So that's coming out right before Christmas, hopefully uh, in November time frame. And then my, my next book 
um, the one that I wrote first, I want to publish that in 2021. So there's more to come. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, man. So we got her before she came, became famous. <laughs> what do you mean before I became famous? Well, you're already famous, but I'm just saying, you know, when you, oh, I've written 25 books and ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so. You are funny. <laughs> well, no, I think it speaks to your success. And and I think the biggest takeaways are you, you found ways to overcome fear no matter the circumstance. And realizing that uh, there's things bigger than you, but there's also a creator that has your best interest at heart. So you are aligning those two. And I think that's why you're a beacon, and I think that's why your light is shining. And so uh, with that, if you can please t- say the name of the book one more time, your website, how people can get in touch with you, that would be fantastic. Okay, yeah, sure. The name of the book is God, Please Help Me Find a Job. 21 Prayers for the Job Seeker. Um, my website is blessthework.com. That's B-L-E-S-S-T-H-E-W-O-R-K.com. And um, you can uh, reach out to me on Instagram at blessthework and on Facebook at blessthework. And my name is Sonia Cameron. Awesome. And with that, you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza and Sonia. It was a pleasure. Let's definitely stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.